0: I have a word from the Lord for you and for this church. And so my prayer today is that God would help me to articulate what he has said, but ultimately that your hearts would be ready to receive from the Lord. Because I believe that if you can capture this today, I believe that if God can get you a revelation of what his word has. He'll change your life. So when we come to church and we hear the word of the Lord, it's not just for an immediate emotional response. But when we receive the engrafted word into our souls, it can change your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday life. Anybody here ever been changed by the word of the Lord that can testify with me? Praise God. It's an honor to be with my good friend, Pastor Darren Gilbert, and it's so good to see you, Sister Gilbert, in church this morning, and it's, it's, the hospitality has been amazing, and thank you so very much. I had a great time with the youth team yesterday. We had a great youth service on Friday, and I'm excited for what the Lord's going to do today, amen? All right, let's go to Joshua chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. here's what the word of the Lord says now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight in the plains of Jericho and they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day verse 12 is going to be our operative verse for today's message then the manna ceased Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. With God's help this morning, I want to preach to you from that phrase in verse 12. Let the manna cease. I, and I don't use this word very often. I'm not one of those guys that does. But if I were to ascribe the type of message I have for your life today, it would be a prophetic word for you. Let the manna cease. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Lift your hands right now. And let's pray over the word. Jesus, you are here today and you're here to speak to our hearts and you're here to move on us. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, God, that you would touch us. God, that you would move on us by your word. Lord, let there be, oh God, a demonstration of the spirit and power at the end of this message as a confirmation, Lord, that your hand is on this house. Your hand is on these families. Your hand is on this people. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, let every distraction be silenced. And God, let our hearts be fixated on what you would have to do in this house today, we pray. In the name of Jesus. And if you're going to preach with me this morning, I want you to begin to magnify, Lord, the Lord in advance for what he is about to do in this house this morning. Yes! Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. We find Israel at a critical transition moment in their history. After 400 years of slavery, after 40 years of wandering around a mountain, they are now ready to enter into their promised land. It's a millennia of prophecy. The faithfulness of their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the submission and obedience of generations were culminating, hallelujah, to this moment. Israel had come to the land that God had shown them. They had grown into a great nation. But now they must establish themselves so that the last part of God's promise to Abraham all of those years ago could be fulfilled. That through their people, the whole earth would be blessed. And so at this point in the text, it's with great anticipation that they look forward to their first city to conquer, Jericho. The first step towards transitioning from a nomadic people to a nation with a real home and a real country, real farms and real houses to call their own. They'd move out of the tents. They'd shake the dust off of their old shoes and they'd move into the vineyards and the pastures of their promise. See, the promised land was a package deal. They got the land. They got what was in it. If you were an Israelite that day poised to attack Jericho, you knew in your heart that you'd get the land, you would finally get peace. You'd get the land, your nation would get national identity. You get the land and you would get blessing. You get the land and you get your needs met. You get a safe place for your kids. You get the land, you get a greater revelation of your purpose in life. You get the land and you get provision. It was the place that represented the total hub of what Israel needed. And as I look into this text and I see a people poised to enter their prophetic promise. I can't help praise God but see you and you your family and true church in Denison, Texas. If I were to look back over the past several years of all that you have walked through together, a corporate body that due to world circumstances found themselves shut down and scattered and COVID running through the world in Canada, we experienced four major lockdowns in our province where our church was shut down for four months at a time, four times throughout the past two years. We found ourselves scattered. Everything was disrupted, but it was more than a corporate experience as I found myself as a pastor doing wellness checks on people to make sure they were feeling okay and as I peer into this text I see you I sensed in my spirit as I prayed over today people that have fought loneliness people that are in church right now and your body and your mind is riddled with fatigue just because you're tired mental health challenges you battled depression you battled anxiety. You have fought fear. This is beyond pandemic nonsense. But I'm talking about the struggles and the stresses of life. Diseases and health scares. Job losses and financial duress. Perhaps you have been traversing your own 24 months, 48 months, 5 years or lifetime of a spiritual wilderness. You come to church. And you love God, but your life's on hold. You love God, but you feel like you're stuck. Purpose is stuck. Power's stuck. Anointing's stuck. But I feel in the house today that we are now cresting onto the other side. We are now poised to possess our promise that God has for us. And in this story here today, there are principles... That if we can understand this text together. That if we can apply them to our life. That you can change your whole life. And launch you. Launch your children. Launch your family. Launch the church into the promises and the promised land of God. But here is the one difference between us and Israel. Their promise was a place. But our promise is a person. Our promise is not money in the bank. It's not land that you've got title indeed deed to. Your promise is not financial prosperity. Your promise is not even physical health. Your promise is Jesus and His kingdom. Jesus is your promise, your hope, your life, your promised land? It's not a place, it doesn't have a zip code, it has a name that is above every other name. Second Corinthians chapter 1. 19 through 22 says For the Son of God, Jesus Christ Who was preached among you by us and by me Was not yes and no But in Him was yes For all the promises of God are in Him The promises of God are in Him Yes And hear me, the promised land that you're looking for is Jesus. The hope you're looking for is Jesus. The strength you're looking for is Jesus. You get Jesus. Your life's whole when you are in Jesus. Your life's safe when you are in Jesus. Your eternity in heaven is secure when you are in Jesus. Your soul is complete in Jesus. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. In him Dwells the fullness of God bodily. And you are complete in Him. This means every broken place. Every fragmented place. Every empty place. Every place in your soul that has been hollowed out by life. It is made whole in Jesus. There's an old song we used to sing. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. Because it is not just the theological, apostolic revelation of his oneness, but your life is all in him. In Jesus is all that you need. Jesus is your promised land. You get Jesus, you get peace. You get Jesus... You get your identity. You get Jesus. You get your promise, your blessing, your needs met. A safe place for your kids. Safe place for your marriage. You get Jesus. You get a greater revelation of your purpose of life. You get Jesus. You get provision and you get healing. When you get Jesus, you get overcoming, chain breaking, mental health restoring, faith renewing, devil rebuking, gift releasing power and authority. It's all in him. It's all in him. Jesus is who you need. Jesus is your promise. You may have came into this house today saying, I need money. No, you need Jesus. You may have came to church today and you said, I need help. No, you need Jesus. You came in and I need my marriage put back together. No, what you need is Jesus. Because when you get him, you get everything you need. Clap your hands to the Lord right now. Jesus is Hallelujah But I would be remiss today If I did not place our text Within its true Narrative context And theological application Because I would just get, make you excited But if you don't find Your life In the context of this scripture and it's New Testament application you'll be disappointed with God and with life see we didn't read it together because well it's nine verses and your feet get tired so we'll read it now see before they could enter the promised land Joshua and the children of Israel had to solve a problem that presented a barrier of entry to the promises of God for them. We find it at the beginning of Joshua chapter 5 and verse 1. So it was, when all the kings of the Amorites on the west side of Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the children of Israel until we had crossed over their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer Because of the children of Israel. But listen to what God said. He didn't say, "All right, they scared. March around the walls. Yell at them. Get what you need. He said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All of the people who had come out of Egypt who were males, all of the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way. After they had come out of Egypt, for all the people who had come out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. To whom the Lord swore he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers. That he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he raised in their place. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And then the scripture goes on and we land at verse 9. The verse right before our text it says, so it was when they had circumcised, finished circumcising all the people. They stayed in their places and camped till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt for you, from you. Therefore the name of this place shall be called Gilgal to this day. Now look, I understand we're locked up a little bit when I start reading this passage. Because this is not a normative discussion for modern 21st century church. Let's just acknowledge that right now. Y'all didn't pull in the parking lot. It was like, hey baby, I hope the preacher from Canada talks about the circumcision in the Old Testament today. <laughs> that didn't happen over your breakfast of Cheerios and Starbucks. I, I just, I can... For the modern mind, it, it's, it's, you know. But this was of deep religious and spiritual significance for the children of Israel. Starting with Abraham... It was a sign of their covenant. Now if you don't know what a covenant is, a covenant is a contractual relationship but not like a business relationship where it's impersonal. It was deeply personal and very emotional. Think of it like a marriage covenant. It is a bond of love. That goes beyond promissory words, but there is a union of people before God and their family that they will spend their lives together in covenant faithfulness to one another in the fear of God. That's what a covenant is like. And a covenant is it with the Lord is an extremely deep relationship. They had a deep bond that they had made with God. And it was signed by the act of circumcision on the males. In fact, it was so this was such a central part of their worship. That if there was no circumcision, there was no covenant. But here's the thing. Over time, as they wandered around the wilderness those 40 years, the practice of the covenant relationship that they had with God had been lost. Think about it. If you're familiar with the story, you know that a pillar of cloud led them by day and a pillar of fire led them by night. They had supernatural intervention as a water that came out of a rock miraculously followed them everywhere that they went. Manna fell from heaven. Quail came and descended upon the people All without the sign of the covenant. God's grace and God's mercy and His love allowed out of covenant people to experience provision, protection, power, and direction. They worshipped. They made sacrifices. And they interacted with God. And God spoke by His voice from the temple to the, to the priests who would then prophesy and give direction over the people all without the sign of the covenant. God was cool with them being covenant adjacent while he helped them survive their wilderness. But he drew the line at entering into their promise. If you want To enter into your blessing, you've got to be in covenant with the Lord Jesus. If you want to move from wilderness into promise. You've got to be in covenant with Jesus. Here's what the apostle Paul said right after he said that in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily and we are complete in him. He says in verse 11, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism in which we're having baptisms today you were way raised in him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead I want you to hear me and I'm going to try to calm down a little bit for this part the most fundamental sign that you are in covenant with Jesus is when you are baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ it is through baptism that the sin and the curse of Sin is cut off of your life And you become a distinct human being In the eyes and in the sight of God And just like the children of Israel If there's no name There is no covenant And if there is no covenant There is no promise I want you to hear me today I'm glad you're worshiping I'm glad you feel the presence of God But I'm reaching for somebody right now God in His mercy and His kindness Will come alongside you He'll let you worship Him. He'll meet your needs. He'll direct your life. He'll provide for you miraculously. He will do great things for covenant adjacent people because He loves them so much. But if you want to enter the promise of God, Jesus, not Adam from Canada, Jesus answered, and said to Nicodemus in John 3 verse 3 most assuredly I say to you unless one is born again you cannot he cannot see the kingdom of God Nicodemus said to him How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm trying to tell you the truth because I believe that there are people, you've been going to church, to church, to church, to church, to church, and you've heard guys like me that were interested in your money or your attendance, uh, your, your fanny on a seat, trying to tell you, trying to tell you that if you could just show up here and you give me enough money, all your problems are going to go away, and you've been frustrated because that has not happened for you, and it has felt like it is not true. You feel close to God, but you feel like there's something separating you from God and from all of the promises you read in the word of God I want to let you know here today if you want to move out of wilderness and into your promise you've got to be in Christ and if any man be in Christ he is a new creation all things are passed away and behold you can become new being baptized in the name of the Jesus Christ is not optional. You've got to be baptized in his name for the remission of your sins. God wants you in covenant. With him, God wants to move your marriage out of the wilderness. God wants to move your family out of the wilderness. God wants to move your health out of the wilderness. God wants to move your mental health out of the wilderness. But you've got to say, Pastor Gilbert, baptize me in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. I want to go back to our text. I want to go back to our text because... I had to lay that foundation. So I didn't want you hearing this message. Coming to the front and crying and feeling the goodness of God. And then going home and nothing changing. I wanted to tell you the truth. You've got to be born of water. And you've got to be born of the Spirit. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues. You need to let the Spirit of God fill you because that is the promise of the hope of glory that you can have. If you want that chain-breaking power, you need to be washed in the name of Jesus and you need to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord Jesus. Let's go back to our text. Now in covenant, the people eat for the very first time food of their promised land. We're talking a millennia of history. And now they get to taste the promise. And when they do, verse 12 says, Then the manna ceased. On the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, the children of Israel no longer had manna. But they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. We can just gloss over it in the text. But for some reason, you know, this year it leapt off the pages. I realized this is a really big deal in the story. Because for 40 years, God had miraculously sustained them with a food that appeared on the ground every morning. It just, just appeared. In fact, that's what manna, manna means. What is this? And so every morning, they would gather little buckets, and God filled their hungry bellies with what is this? For four decades, a miracle bread, known only as what is this? Every day. You understand? you do the same thing for 40 years, it becomes a habit. Right? It beca- like, it's just, it's just what you do. You, just, you don't even think about it. They went to bed that night. They woke up in the morning. They rolled over and instinctively grabbed their little, what is this basket, and walked outside, and there was nothing on the ground. The day after... They had their first meal growing on the promised land. The manna ceased. Never to fall again. No warning. No God sending a text blast. Be like, hey, guess what? The what is this is not going to be there. Just did not appear. God cut them off. He had to. It had to be clear that once they had crossed over there was no turning back from this moment anymore. They were used to being supernaturally sustained in the wilderness and it did not require much faith or much effort. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. But possessing their promise was going to take What God had called them to do Possessing the promise Would require a change In how everybody lived their life And how they operated And I'm here to preach to you today That the same is true for you Your life Your family And this church If you are going to possess the promises of Jesus Christ and of his kingdom. It is going to take tremendous faith and it's going to take a whole lot of effort when you're used to living in the wilderness you're used to living in survival mode where God just miraculously shows up and he gives you what you need and you don't know how he does it and you really don't even know what it is you've just been sustained but the moment you walk into your promise is the moment it's going to take faith and sweat from you and your family Pentecostals, we love to speak words of faith. We love to talk and we love to declare. But if you're going to possess your promise, you've got to transition your life from talking and declaring into putting your faith into action. Not changes in truth, but changes in church methods, changes in your discipline, changes in your habits. I've been in ministry nearly two decades now. And what worked when I grew up in church is not going to be the same things that brings revival to a region. And I remember when, as often, is often an old phrase that we throw out, because nostalgia is often rose-colored. When we remember what it was like, when we talked about having revival, but weren't used to having revival. Can I just say this? This is me. If doing the way we've always done them involves leaving lost and new Christians in the dust, I don't want to do it that way anymore. I want to take everybody I can to heaven. Possessing the promise is going to require you to expend more energy Than you've ever done before or at least in a very long time. It's going to require the mobilization of an entire body. It's going to require that you give of your time to church and to people. It's going to mean that if you want your kids to walk in from just praying through every youth service or every camp or every youth convention and pleading and begging with God that they just somehow bump along and don't mess up real bad again until you can send them back to camp. It's going to require you showing up more than just Sunday. You're going to have to say, yes, for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. give of your time to people to people to people outside of your circle, to people outside of the people that you know you're used to being around the most important things that my wife and I do is have people over to our house, we cook dinner for them, people that are new in the church it's going to require that you give of your finances more than ever before because we got to reach people. It's going to require that you step out of your comfort zone. See, being in the wilderness is easy. It really is. But if you want to possess your promise that Jesus has for you, you're going to have to be a spiritual person. You're going to have to pursue Jesus on your own. You're going to have to have your own fast days. Your own time with God. Yeah. Be in the Word yeah. and seek His face. Not so that she will survive, but so that she will be anointed to make a difference in the kingdom of heaven. I'm convinced, and this is the awkward part of the sermon that we lock up the room again, but I'm convinced that some people don't want the fullness of Jesus or revival in their life or their church. And they'd be like, no, not me. I mean, maybe that's how y'all do things in Canada, but... uh, here, you talk about revival, and woo, we're ready to go. But you know what? No matter how much you would say, I'm not sure that that's true, some people would prefer the wilderness where the promises of God are an idea to talk about, to decree and declare, whatever that really truly means, and a great idea to dream about but not a reality to lace up your sandals and fight for. Come on, it was like that for Israel. See, in Israel, they complained and they got what they asked for. They wanted water. Moses hit a rock. They got sick of the what is this bread. They go to Moses and he prays for quail. Promised land. There's no room for that. Promised land require total Submission. Otherwise Jericho's walls would not fall. It required total dedication to God. And they found that out the hard way. As Achan and his family suffered after he stole what belonged to God from Jericho. And Israel suffered the humiliation and the defeat of Ai. There is a temptation to expect manna to fall like the wilderness. But I want to let you know there's no manna in the promised land. There's milk and honey which is way better. But milk and honey doesn't fall from the sky. It is a product of cultivation and faith and sacrifice if you want to inherit the kingdom of God you've got to take up your cross you've got to deny yourself and you've got to follow Jesus it takes no work to be saved but it's going to take a whole lot of work for you to walk in the promise and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ the manna was all on God the promise was working with God The manna was waking up every morning and just scraping together a little bit of what you needed. But if you want Jericho, you're going to have to walk around it. If you want your family saved, you're going to have to witness to them. If you want blessing in your life, you're gonna to have to give of your ties. If you want your family and your children to be saved, you gotta learn how to say no to good things so that you can say yes to the best things. And the best things are always God and His house. If you wanna see your marriage put back together, it's gonna to require that you forgive and let go and you dig out that root of bitterness and you submit to some counseling and you submit to some prayer and you stop holding on to your pride. And you stop holding on to your dysfunction. See the survival is always all on God. But the promise requires you to work with God. In the promised land. It's going to call you to greater consecration. And surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. So. You're ever going to get out of the wilderness. And you're going to walk into God's promise. Your prayer is going to have to be. And I'm coming to a close in just a few moments. Your prayer is going to have to be, God, let the manna cease. I'm reaching for some families today. I'm reaching for a church today that you've seen God do some good things. But in your heart, you know that there's more. As you drive through your city, you know that there is more. As you look at your family, you know that there is more. As you look at your life, you know that there is more. I'm reaching for some people that are ready to move from survival to conquering. Some of us have been in survival mode for too long, but it is not the will of God You to live in the desert. It's not the will of God for your salvation to be hanging by a thread, your faith to be hanging by a thread, your emotions to be hanging by a thread. No, it is the will of God that an army in Denison, Texas rise up and possess the land that God has for them. (laughs) Lift your hands to Jesus. Lift your hands to Jesus. God's looking for some people right now who have been passively waiting for God to do the work. That have been passively waiting for God to do all the heavy lifting, but have been passively waiting for a preacher to come by and lay their hand on their head and then their problems will go away. I'm reaching for somebody that's got a revelation this morning. That Jesus, I'm ready to do whatever you ask me to do so that I can possess your promises. (laughs) God is looking for people who are tired of saying these musicians come. God is looking for people who will say I'm tired of just coming to church once a week. I'm tired of having enough Jesus To just escape hell. I want more. Our pastor has been talking about purpose. Pastor has been talking about revival. I have heard people preach. About what God can do with people. That give themselves to Jesus. Well I'm ready right now Lord. I'm going to give you it all. I'm going to give you everything. I am reaching for people who are tired of only having enough Holy Ghost to stay saved who will say I'm ready for purpose I'm ready to accelerate my commitment to the kingdom of heaven if you are here this is a word for somebody if you're here and you've been feeling a restlessness in your life you've been feeling dissatisfaction maybe you've been looking at places where you can move and get a new job Maybe, maybe you've been looking around at your life and like maybe, maybe we need to get out of here. Can I tell you, God's not trying to change your address. He's trying to change you. What's are feeling is God trying to push you out of your inertia. What's your feeling is God trying to push you out of your sadness. What God is trying to do is He's trying to push you out of your survival mode so that you can grab your sword and you can march into the promises that God has for your life, so that you can see His will accomplished in you. God's looking for people that are ready to move from maintenance to inheritance, that are ready to quit picking up a basket and coming to church for what they need to survive the week and getting ready to possess. They're getting ready to see their family saved. They're getting ready to see this church become so full that you gotta do something with the amount of seats that you have here. God I feel the Holy Ghost I have sensed it God told me on the plane when I was going to preach here and I sense there is regional revival that God is wanting to bring you to this community that God is wanting to bring you to this church and there is growth and wants to come and when God brings it it will come suddenly and it will come quickly and it will come supernaturally but it's going to take a whole bunch of people saying Lord whatever you call me to do soul and your family. You're going to have to discipline your time. You're going to have to serve instead of sit. You're going to have to give instead of get. But the end result of the challenge that I have been preaching here today is that once and for all, you get to enter the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm preaching for people that are hungry for a greater measure of God than they have ever had before. More of His power. More of His authority, more of His anointing, more of His blessing, more of His purpose. People that have had words of prophecy spoken over their life, about their life, about their purpose about their family people that have been here long enough that preachers like me have come in and they have prophesied that God's going to give revival that God's going to restore backsliders that God's going to break addictions that God's going to break chains that God will topple the prince of this city and this region and there will be apostolic revival that's going to happen and you will say Lord I'm ready to move of my inertia and I'm ready to give you Yes, you're gonna to have to fight. Yes, you're gonna to have to fast. Yes, you're gonna to have to pray. Yes, it's gonna cost you. Yes, you're gonna to have to be consecrated. Yes, you're gonna to have to surrender. But the end result is revival. The end result is restoration. The end result is healing. The end result is joy. The end result is peace. Begin to pray in the Spirit right now if you got the Holy Ghost. understand this is a different altar call and this is a different message but I'm looking for people to get out of their seat and come to this altar and kneel in their chair and find a place of prayer preaching to reaching for every person that's been coming to church tired and wrung out and you're sick of it being that way people that are tired of coming and praying through just enough to be able to keep their marriage or their family together it's ready for wholeness to come into your life I know I've mentioned it like three times, but I'm reaching for families right now. Nobody knows it, not even maybe your pastor, but you've been contemplating divorce. God's gonna restore you. But you gotta move. You gotta move. You gotta move. You gotta move at a survival mode. And into your promise. You've got to rededicate your heart and your soul to God more than you've ever done before. I'm here to preach to you prophetic promise. I'm here to preach to you revival like you've never seen. I'm here to declare over you hope like you've never had. I'm here to declare to you by faith joy like you've never lived in. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. But before you possess it, you got to say, God, let the man of Jesus in my life. I'm ready to walk into your favor. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I need somebody. I need my intercessors that were in the prayer room before church to begin to call out to heaven right now. Is wanting to bring a seismic shift into your souls. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. Call out to heaven. Call out to heaven. Call out to heaven. Call out to heaven. Shout out and reach out. There is about to be a demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit in this room as a testimony of the word of the Lord that's been declared over you today. out to God. If you're in your seat, I want you to just lean forward and begin to have a conversation with God. That's who the Lord's trying to move right now. I want you to be open to what he would have to say to your heart. To be open to how God is calling you to greater dedication. God's calling you to greater consecration to him. That's it. God's trying to move you. God's trying to move your soul. God's trying to move your faith.